0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So um, we'll start off the evening with Eve offering a song.
1: Great. Thank you, James. Hi, all. Nice to see you. So nice to be here in Sangha together with you. Um, so, so James tonight is going to be teaching on the five spiritual faculties and, um, when I am able to come and, you know, to just to sing a song to, to, as a prelude to James's talk, um, I've always been happily surprised to discover that he'll tell me the topic and then there'll be some song that just really, to me seems to work with the topic and i did find a song for for this topic tonight it's not exactly right on so i want to give it a little bit more context than i usually do so um so the five spiritual faculties um i'm james may have different words for some of these but i'll call them um faith and energy and mindfulness and concentration and wisdom and those are just words but when you unpack them and practice with them they're they're like these superpower energies in the universe that we can you know deepen in our own lived reality and that really guide us to freedom um uh but i don't have a song about superpower energies particularly. Some specific songs, you know, like about loving kindness or compassion or whatever. So what I do have is a song that I wrote in 1994 called Faith. And um, so Faith is is on this list of the five spiritual faculties. And in one of the suttas, when the Buddha is talking about the five spiritual faculties, and he's describing how practitioners you know sort of can cumulatively deepen in these five faculties he begins and ends with faith and uh, faith has different kind of ways of being it can be there can be just a, a you can't prove it but I believe it kind of a faith and then there's also the faith that comes from direct experience and we can have both of those kinds of faith um, in Buddhist practice. So anyhow, I wrote this song. I was like three years in to my practice. I, some of you know that the way that I was introduced to, to Buddhist practice in late 1990 was in this very beginner's class that James is now offering us same one, but 30 years ago, 31 years ago, I went to that class and was just completely flabbergasted um I, I was I became a zealot overnight. It just hit my heart in a certain way, and I was full of faith. Um, and so I became a practitioner and going on retreats and things immediately after the beginning class. But my life was hard, and there was a lot of suffering. And um, one of the things I learned from James then and then and then learned again and again in different ways, was the truth of impermanence, which falls under the rubric of wisdom, which is another one of the spiritual faculties. The truth of impermanence, this too shall pass, which can sound trait, but but isn't. <laughs> um, and um, so I was dealing with my suffering at the time and having faith in the Dharma and then specifically faith in the teaching Um, on impermanence and I wrote this song and sure enough whatever I was going through at the time passed and I've you know deepened more and more in a sense of flourishing that comes from getting more aligned with um, you know the wisdom of the heart or the five spiritual faculties so with that long introduction thank you for listening here is a song faith (laughs) The sky is grey
2: against the landscape of your heart. It's been that way for far too long. You toss and turn, waiting for a change to come. You wonder where. doing what you need to do let it go take it on Let it go,
0: take it on, faith. Thanks so much, Eve. I love that song. So the five spiritual faculties um, and I was drawn to uh, to talk about this for two reasons. One, as I said, I'm about to uh, to sit a retreat, my own, and uh, this list, uh, more than any for me, describes the process of practice on retreat and and in our life. But particularly, there's a, a natural unfolding that uh, that very um very clearly elucidates the the direction and also uh since i'm going to be offering this uh beginning class that was so great hearing you eve talk about that was the class that got you into it, it just uh, warms my heart uh it's uh the class basic buddhism there's so many lists And you think, oh my goodness, all of these lists, and oh, is this such a cerebral kind of a thing? You have to be a scientist to memorize all this. You don't have to memorize it. However, understanding how it's all put together really clarifies and makes a difference that you then discover internally for yourself. Um, And so I was just appreciating the lists that we'll be going through. And I said, oh, well, I'm about to sit. Let's go for a list on sitting practice or on practice. Uh, and that for me is the, the five faculties. Eve uh, mentioned them uh, to begin with uh, the five. I'll give alternate um, uh, definition or alternate uh, words for, for some of them, but faith, energy or effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. And they can be seen in two different ways. There's the, um, the way of seeing them as balancing factors. Sometimes it's said that the whole path is a path of balance. Mindfulness being always the balancing factor, whether it's in the factors of awakening or the five faculties, or non-greed, non-hatred, non-delusion. Mindfulness is always a factor that balances all of the others. And so that's in the middle if you're looking at the list in this way. And then there are the two pairs, faith being a balancing to wisdom, energy being Uh, counterpoint to concentration. If there's too much faith, but not enough wisdom, it becomes blind faith. If there's too much wisdom, that is analysis, without a heartfelt quality, it just becomes very cerebral and dry. So they go together. Then there's concentration and energy, if there's too much energy and not enough stillness from the concentration, we get very restless. If there's too much concentration that is a stilling quality, but not a brightness of energy, then we get into a sinking mind and, uh, and sloth and torpor. So those need to be balanced. So that's one way to think of this. But looking at it as a an unfolding of practice, there can be a, a linear progression. Of course, it's not as neat as, oh, first I do the number one, then I then I'm ready for number two. And it's a it's an ongoing dynamic um evolving and spiral. But in general, you start with some kind of heartfelt connection. That leads you to the whole rest of the unfolding. So I'll, I'll go through them in that progressive kind of way. So the first one, which uh, is often translated as faith, but there are other ways to translate the word sadha. Maybe I'll put it in the in the chat box. Uh, sadha, s a D H A Sadha is um, a word that means to put your heart upon something, to be wholehearted about something, and in the uh, in this list, it means having a heartfelt, mm, a wholeheartedness to the the practice that ignite that is ignited in some way it starts out with what's called bright faith like when eve heard that that class and she was hooked and she said okay i'm 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 in i had that experience the first time when i heard uh, joseph goldstein i've shared this before in 1974 talk about The possibility of not being run by your neurotic thoughts and I was in my own pain and confusion and there was something about the way he said it that I believed him and I said I am going for it because it was so inspiring you I'm sure had something that ignited your interest curiosity maybe it was a, a friend coming back from a retreat or maybe a book that you read or a teacher that you've listened to a talk that you heard that gave you that possibility and was inspiring. That's, this is what this bright faith is about inspiration. Do you remember, do you remember what, what got you first hooked? Mm. If you, if you'd like, you can put in the chat box. What, got it for you. What did it for you? We can just uh, see what does it. And there's no right or wrong. It's just something in there. Loving kindness, maybe some, some teacher or some, some book or some, uh, some understanding that, that you had. If you want, you can put some in there. Who is it? Or what was it that ignited you? Go ahead, write something the first silent retreat at spirit rock. Oh, the client, my class also, that's nice. Yeah. Alan Watts. Yeah. Friend told me about a meditation class in 2011 and how that had changed her life. Yes. Often a friend can do that. You just kind of believe what they're saying. Okay. So that, that starts the process. You have some inspiration that ignites that bright faith, but bright faith can only take you so far. Uh, Ram Das spoke to my class in 1975. Wow, how lucky. Um, and after a while, the bright faith can kind of burn out unless it's sustained. Um, and faith is the antidote to doubt because doubt comes to everybody, even to the Buddha just before he was enlightened. Uh and and uh he Mara came to visit him and, and he said, What makes you think you can get enlightened? And the Buddha touches the earth as doubt had visited him, uh as the earth is a witness, I have a right to be here. Or Jesus on the cross saying, God, why hast thou forsaken me? So if you ever have some some doubt, you're in good company, uh, it's part of the part of the package in the spiritual journey. But after the bright faith, then comes what Eve was talking about, where you see for yourself how this works and how it impacts you. And that is called verified faith, where you, it's not a concept, it's not something that you have read in a book, it's something that you absolutely know for yourself, that can't be taken from you. I remember on the, was it my uh, my second retreat, uh, this is in uh, 1976, I had a lot of doubt and everything seemed weird. I thought everybody around was a phony. I didn't know if the teacher knew what he was talking about. And uh what is this? I, I thought, well, God, did I get myself into a cult? I don't know if this, this stuff is really, really what it's cracked up to be. I just had this wave of doubt and I went to um I tried to do walking meditation and I, I couldn't do that. I tried to sit. I, my mind was really attacking me. And finally I just decided to chill out and I went up to my, cubicle in the meditation center up in uh, up in Washington and um and there was a picture of neem karoli baba from ramdas's book be here now that had been a, a big igniter of my faith uh that got me into all of this and he was looking back and just kind of like with a with a twinkle in his eye saying hmm, getting pretty freaked out aren't we and he had a smile on his face and all of a sudden all of my doubt just broke, and it was like, "Wow, I had just spun out into this this uh, heavy duty wave of um, of skepticism, and all the the doubt just left. I was so excited to tell my teacher Unfortunately, my interview wasn't until the next day, and I went through so many different places in my mind from I conquered doubt to crashing and and getting confused and sleeping and then getting a little bit brighter again. And finally, when I got into the the interview, he, he said, well, so tell me, how is it going? And I said, completely exasperated and totally innocent. I just sighed, it's always changing. And he said, that's it. And then I thought, oh yeah, you keep on saying that, don't you? It's always changing. Ah, I got it. And that was my first experience of verified faith. Oh yeah, this stuff about impermanence, I'm feeling it from the inside. And that verified faith Leads to, as you deepen and continue practice, what's called unshakable faith, where no one can take it away from you. And it's so deeply rooted. Yeah, you might have your moments of doubt, but you know, you know the truth. You've seen for yourself. Sometimes you have to remind yourself that uh, this is just a wave of doubt. I will I will remember again. And I think the uh, last thing I'll do before I go on to the next thing, I want to read to you. This is a beautiful faith letter from a, a friend on her retreat. She wrote, letter to my future self because she had tremendous doubts and then she would wake up. She had a a, a real deep inspiration and she said, I've got to remember this. So she wrote a letter to herself. Dear future me, caught in resistance, boredom, doubt, or self-doubt, etc., etc. I know it may not seem this way right now, but it's worth it. Really, really worth it. And it's working And you're not doing it all wrong. In fact, you can't really not do it right. Your intention is powerful, even if you may not recognize it at the moment. Sometimes it goes a bit undercover. But believe me, it's there. And that's all that matters. You're doing great. And you're wonderful. And I love you. And I'm so grateful that you're doing this. And I'm right there beside you with a lot of faith and compassion. Lean on it whenever you need it. All will be well. There is only one direction this can go. Our own, our own experience that keeps us going. And that faith, that also known as trust, or confidence, or conviction, they're all synonyms for sadha. If the word faith trips you up, then just think of it as trust. Not that everything is going to work out, but trust that your awareness will meet the moment when it comes. Trusting in the awareness. And that trust, that faith, gives you the inspiration to put the energy into practice, which is the second of these five faculties. Energy, or sometimes called energy, Uh, Effort. This practice doesn't happen without you putting the intention and the effort into it. And it takes a lot of energy and effort to keep coming back into the present moment. As one teacher, I think I might have mentioned this recently, one Tibetan master talked about Um, the practice sometimes feels like manual labor, that you're just bringing your mind back each time. Okay, come on back, come on back. And you make that effort to come here, to come back. But once you're here, you don't need to make any extra effort to be here. Then there's simply being here and relaxing into the truth of this moment. And so this is all about Finding balance between a a wholehearted effort and relaxing. You know, remember I, I say at the beginning, this is a relaxed and interested kind awareness. It takes effort to be here or to bring yourself back, but it can't be over effort because then you get tight and wound up. So this is all about balance just like riding a bicycle and the the effort that you put into being here the effort to be mindful starts to build so those moments of mindfulness develop and then you um you find that the effort becomes more effortless because there's that momentum that's built up Mm. Let me just see if there's anything to say here. Maybe I'll just go into that. One more thing I'll, I'll mention about effort. We can so often uh, equate effort with what, is it, what, am, what does my practice look like? How concentrated I am now? Or how few thoughts I have? Oh, I must be doing it well. Or uh, if I'm balanced and and not feeling any kind of disturbance, ah, that must be good practice. And that's not so. It can look any way. Sometimes deep practice means having, experiencing deep welling up of feelings that have been uncovered or uh, a sense of, Uh, um, doubt or even fear sometimes at the deeper stages of practice. Or it can be a sense of uh, simply just being content with how things are and not having your bells and whistles go off. So effort shouldn't be equated with results of what it looks like. Rather, if you think of effort as Um, coming from a sincerity of heart, just your willingness to be here as best you can. That's your end of the deal. Not what it looks like. You put down the report card, you put down any kind of, um, of critique of how you're doing, and you just get in touch with the sincerity of, intention to be here as best you can and the effort begets energy by itself there's a buildup of energy and so they're often um, um, synonymous the effort is the effort to be mindful that's all it's not to go into deep stages of concentration absorption it's not to get rid of your thoughts don't try to get rid of all your thoughts it's just not going to work and the more you try the more i guarantee you uh it's going to be a frustrating uh endeavor so it's simply the effort to be here as best you can to be mindful as the Buddha says in the Satipatthana Sutta, there is a most wonderful direct way to overcome sorrow and lamentation and grief, despair, pain and anxiety and realize the highest happiness. That is the establishment of mindfulness. Simply being here with your experience in the moment, in a non-judging way, that's all that's needed. It's so simple. It's so elusive. Because the mind flits to the future, the past, fantasy, ideas, any kind of story that we get lost in or we, that, that we get triggered takes us out of the moment. And so it takes some practice to make the effort to be here, right here, right now. And mindfulness has many different lenses. Sometimes it can be a very fine focused lens where you're noticing subtleties within the breath. Sometimes it can be a wider lens where you simply are noticing, oh, confusion, that's what's happening, and you're noticing big mind states. And so it doesn't look any one way. As the Buddha said, we can be mindful of our physical uh, reality and experience, the breath or the body or standing or different postures. We can be mindful of different mind states, We can be mindful of the pleasantness or unpleasantness or neutrality of experience. And any moment of mindfulness is just as good as any other moment. One thing that mindfulness isn't is figuring out. Do not try to figure out how to get a good meditation. Do not try to figure out the answers to your problems if you really want to develop mindfulness on the cushion, but rather letting go of the cerebral mind and simply being with what is. And it's a kind of paradox that when you let go of trying to figure out or ruminating about something, there's a spaciousness that gets created where the wisdom and the love shines through all by itself. Here's a a um, a note that somebody wrote to me on one of their on their first retreat. This is many years ago, and this person just kept on trying to f- figure everything out. They were very skeptical, doubtful, had a lot of stuff going on in their life and uh, just kept on spinning their mind. And I kept on reminding them through the retreat, um, you don't have to figure it out. And then at the end of the retreat, she had an epiphany and she wrote me this note. She said, The one thing that is indelibly in my brain is finally getting, you don't have to figure it out. That would never have registered as an option before this retreat. Just today, when I was doing walking meditation, struggling as my thoughts were going round and round, those words came into my mind, you don't have to figure it out. I stopped and closed my eyes and asked myself, what is true right now in this moment? And what was true was the rising and falling of my breath and various body sensations coming and going. And I thought to myself, the rest will balance itself out in its own time. And I resumed my walking. What a revelation. So if you have a tendency to try to solve your answers. You know, like they're in the back of the book on your your math, you remember your math textbook, the answers are oh, back on page 365. If I can only find the right answer, ah, it'll all fall into place. Let go of the figuring out mind. It's been shown that when you're trying hard to figure out there's a contraction in the brain and you're not going to, or it's lighting up in a place that's stressed and you're not able to see clearly. There's a, a study I love, the problem with worry, as, uh, as Danny Goldman says, you know, it's been shown that those neural pathways, when you're worried, they will not be able to um, light up the wisest part of your brain. And when you let go of the worry or you let go of trying to figure out, answers come. I'm sure you've had that in your own experience. I love a line from the, the Third Saint patriarch who says, stop talking and thinking and there's nothing you'll not be able to know. Have you ever had that experience where you just let go and all of a sudden The light goes on. So that's mindfulness. Simply knowing what's here right now. Moments of mindfulness develop, especially on retreat or over time in practice, leading to the fourth of these spiritual faculties, concentration, samadhi, um, and this is one where sometimes people say, "Oh, uh, this—I don't know if I can do this. My mind gets so scattered. You know, I can maybe be here for a, a breath or two, but concentration—I don't know." So I want to say a few things about concentration. Mm. Concentration is a is a kind of um, unification of mind where it settles in and it's simply interested in what's happening. That's the key to concentration. If you try hard to get concentrated, you might experience moments of focus, but it's not sustainable it's very rarely sustainable because that tightness contracts and agitates the mind. So the paradox is that concentration is supported by a relaxed attitude. And what it is, is simply attending to something over and over to the point where you find yourself getting really interested and absorbed in it. And we've all probably had that experience within ourselves of being absorbed of when you're completely mm, taken by a project, whether it's an art project or you're dancing or you're doing something that you really, that has gripped you or, you know, Watching a basketball game is one that I can attest. I've got very good concentration. Somebody might be saying, Hey, James, and I might not be able to hear them because "Mm, I'm focused on the game. Um, So we have that capacity when we get very connected and absorbed. And for the purposes of the meditation, It's getting connected and interested in what's happening now. Sometimes you have to trick yourself into thinking it's interesting. Okay, you might have this experience breathing in, breathing out, and you're following the breath and you might say, oh, do I really have to pay attention to another breath? We we just had one a moment ago. Is it gonna be any different? And so you say, "Oh, I don't know i if it, it, it's it's just not so it's just boring okay. If somebody was holding your head underwater, your breath would be the most fascinating thing in the world to you and sometimes you can play a game and trick yourself into being interested. For me, I have two games that get me here, particularly with the breath. One, mm, I imagine that I'm a baby, just taking my first breath, oh. Imagine just being born. Let's do it for just for a moment now so you don't just have to be passive in this. Close your eyes for a moment, And just imagine you've, Just come out into the world, about to take your first breath. Can you be here for it? Here it is, your very first breath. Don't miss it. And while you're in there, just another, the other game I play, imagine you're an alien that's just come into planet Earth and checking out what it's like for these humans to breathe in a body like this. Oh, what is breathing anyway? How interesting. Okay, you can open your eyes. Maybe you were just a little bit more motivated to see. And what concentration, how it works is at the beginning, you have to make an effort to to be here, but the more you're here, there's that momentum that's built up. Joseph Goldstein, used to use the phrase NPMs, noticings per minute. He said, just see how many NPMs you can build up just for the fun of it. And after a while, it's like as the image of cranking an engine and at first you got to work hard to crank it. And then all of a sudden it catches and, and you're off. In that way, that's how concentration works. If you... Consistently bring yourself back in a very loving way here again and again. Those moments of mindfulness build to have a a focused concentration. And it can be a focus on one object, like the breath, or it can be a focus on the present moment experience, what's called moment to moment to moment concentration, Kanaka Samadhi, where You're you're here with changing experience, but it's one moment after another, you're here in the present. The key to concentration is patience and interest. And you just keep on coming back and building that and that momentum happens. And from that concentrated mindfulness, we open up to the fifth of these faculties, which is the faculty of wisdom. The culmination of practice. And wisdom can be spoken of in a number of different ways. Sometimes the wisdom comes when we see things about our life and our past that we never understood before. And there's an insight that happens about this movie called James or Eve or whoever, oh, wow, that happened when I was young. Oh, now I see where that got formed. Not that you're trying to make that kind of insight happen, but sometimes it happens. And there's a kind of wisdom about our own story. The deeper kind of wisdom, the liberating wisdom Is seeing one of three aspects of experience that are in the teachings called the three characteristics of experience. And that is one, anicca, seeing how everything changes. And when you see it more and more deeply, it is transformative. Because you see, no matter how good it gets, it will pass. No matter how bad it gets, it will pass. It's all passing. And there's a kind of freedom that comes from seeing, I can't hold on to experience. And the second of those characteristics is the ungraspability of changing experience, dukkha. There is an unsatisfactoriness in life when we try to hold on to that which is changing. Anicca, dukkha, and the third characteristic is anatta. That is, you too are this changing experience that you're just a collection of atoms into this pattern called you with a body and a mind and a heart that's uniquely yours that is continually changing and transforming even on an atomic level on a cellular level it's all changing and on a a growth level you're continually changing there's a pattern to that change but you're not solid as fixed as you think on one level you are unique on another you are not solid you are simply life moving through you so i think i'll just end with this beautiful poem that uh that uh, somebody gave me recently that um i love uh that i'll I'll share with you by Uh, a man named Daniel Bayless around this anatta. He says, you are but a collection of atoms working together in temporary harmony before being dispersed back into the universe. Your earthly task is to help those atoms radiate. Imagine the simplicity. You need not achieve anything but gently glow. You are but a collection of atoms working together in temporary harmony before being dispersed back into the universe. Your earthly task is to help those atoms radiate. Imagine the simplicity. You need not achieve anything but gently glow. And this is the mm, the grand finale of wisdom, where you realize, oh, I'm completely enough. Just who I am, I can just gently glow, let my love radiate and help it awaken the love in others. Ah, what freedom. So these are the the five spiritual faculties, faith or trust leading to energy or effort, the effort to be mindful leading to concentration and concentrated mindfulness leading to deep penetrating wisdom. So there's not all that much time but if anyone has some question or comment we can take a few moments before we end. Yeah, Larry. Can I mute yourself? Nope. Oh, you got the video, not the audio. Excuse me. Okay. Now can you hear me? Yeah. I've been just sitting here for this whole time, James, thinking that you are you are peaking. That you are just masterful. Um exuberant uh i mean you you can't you can't you can't uh this is not an act you want to follow (laughs) (laughs) thank you i i hope it touched you in a way that you say okay i want to find out for myself now oh yeah i wrote it on my calendar great talk i'm going to come back to this talk Uh, oh thank you very very glad it landed that way appreciate it. Anyone else? Charmaine, are you trying to turn on?
2: Uh, I just, I put it in the chat, but I really love that last poem, and I'm wondering if you could send it out. You know, I
0: I don't even know the name of it, but I can put his name in, and you can probably Google it. It's, uh, and I'll give you the first line. That's a good way to do it. So it's Daniel... Baylis, B-A-Y-L-I-S, and the first line is, uh, you are but a collection of atoms. That should do it. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Uh, so Eve, can you uh, sing our dedication, and then we can we can end.
1: Yeah.
2: May every living be our minds as one and radiant with light, share the fruits of peace, with hearts of goodness, luminous and bright. If people hear and see how hands and hearts can find in giving unity, Great compassion, wisdom, and joy. May kindness find reward. May all whose sorrow leave our grief and pain. May this boundless light meet the darkness of our sacred night. Because our hearts are one, this world of pain turns into paradise. May all become compassionate and wise. May all become Become compassionate and wise.
0: Thank you, Eve. Thank you, everyone. Um, I'll see you in a few weeks. And remember, Eve is going to be here for the next two weeks. And uh, I'll be back on uh, September 2nd with Dawn. Scott, do you know what your topics are the next
1: Yeah, yeah. Next week? Our topic will be RAIN, recognize, allow, investigate, nurture, non-identify. And then the week after that, I'm going to have my mother with me, my 85-year-old singing mother. Um, She's coming to stay with us because uh, getting away from the fires. And so I think what I want to do is um, singing Dharma songs with my mother, speaking in between about the teachings and the songs, but... So next week rain and then mother daughter Dharma songs
0: <laughs> sounds sounds great
1: <laughs>
0: okay well, may our sharing the evening together um, awaken all the goodness inside of us and may we share our love well with the world, and may any good that we've created by being here together, uh, be for the benefit of all beings everywhere and this planet that deserves it so. Thank you for listening.